Good evening, and welcome to the Aging Hipster Rewatch. Listener, we are in the midst of rom-com January. It's time to fire up those dial-up modems, sharpen our bouquet of pencils, and put the love of our life out of business. This week, we watched You've Got Mail. I turn on my computer. I go online. Welcome. Welcome. And my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You've got mail. What is going on with you? Is it infidelity if you're involved with someone on email? This woman is the most adorable creature I've ever been in contact with. Have you had sex? Of course not. I don't even know. Mm, I mean cyber sex. No. Well, no, don't do it. The minute you do, they lose all respect for you. In a city where everyone's looking for someone, Joe and Kathleen have discovered the best way to meet someone. Is to never meet at all. We just email. It's really nothing. I don't know his name or what he does. Look, 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 look. Or where he lives exactly. What? He couldn't possibly be the rooftop killer. What they don't realize. What is that? What are you doing? You're taking all the caviar? That caviar is a garnish. Is they already have. Just Joe Fox. I'm in the book business. I am in the book business. What should I have said to a man who has made my professional life in misery? Tell me something, really. How do you sleep at night? Fight. Fight to the death. In life, they're at odds. She's beautiful, but she's a pill. Online, they're in love. Do you think we should meet? Meet? Oh, my God. I'm going to say hello, I'm going to have a cup of coffee, and then I'm going to split. That's what I'm going to do. Why am I even doing this? Why am I compelled to even meet her? Relax. You're just taking it to the next level. And I'm not going to stay that long anyway. I already said that, didn't I? Yes, you did. No. He could be the next person to walk into the store. He could be... Matt, please come up. No, I don't really think that that is a good idea, because I have a terrible cold... Back from a small break in California, it's the aging hipster rewatch co-host, Mr. Romantic Toby Crines. Welcome back. Thank you, Bob. Always a pleasure. I got big news for you, Toby. And I didn't even write it in the outline because I wanted to be this big. (laughs) So... Long story short, I started a text conversation with a celebrity, uh, Paul Shear from uh, Unspooled Podcast. He's an uh, actor, comedian, podcast host. He was on the league as Andre, the bald guy. He was uh-huh. also on How Did This Get? He's the host of How Did This Get Made? Oh, I love that show. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, anyways, somehow, like, I won't get into how I started texting him. And I'm 85% sure it's him. Um, <laughs> right, so, right. <laughs> so we started talking. And I won't, it wasn't like that deep, but I was talking to him more during Christmas week than my own family, which wasn't that much. So don't like, don't think it's that. So, you know, we did talk a little <laughs> bit about Rise of, Rise of Skywalker, what we were having for uh, Christmas dinner and stuff, and all that kind of stuff. But I was talking to him about. Uh, so he plays like kind of clips and trailers in the middle of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so do you like pay right, you know, like pay money to a agency? He's like, oh, no, it's all covered by um, fair use. I was like, oh, really? Hmm. And so I figure if he can do it, because he says for promotional purposes, I'm going to, I did that with the Clueless episode that um, was just released last mm-hmm. week yep. that you're about to watch. So, yeah. Big news. Cool. Uh, wow. We got legal advice from our new, I promoted him to our legal uh, wow. <laughs> legal counsel, Paul Shear, even though he kept on texting saying he was not a lawyer, so <laughs> don't take his word for it. And I took his word for it. I, I, said, told, I take his word. Yeah. yeah. And if we get in trouble, I said that he should come by like Al Pacino and scent of a woman and bail us out. So big news <laughs> update. Wow. Awesome. We got le- <laughs> yeah. We got legal advice from an actor, now, even though he's... Yeah. And, and speaking of the 85% sure thing, so back in the 1997, around the time when You've Got Mail was produced, I, we had our uh, internet for the first time, um, right? I think we got it in 96. Um, and I was talking in a chat room uh, to someone named Amanda, and my dad's like, Toby, a man, duh. Like, <laughs> like, 
there's no women on the internet in this year, you know? Oh, yep. Well, I'm still 85% sure. I'm not going to say why, but there's a little bit of authenticity uh, going behind this. It's not uh, as bad as it was back during the days of You've Got Mail. And we are going to get into that a little bit more. And joining us, Toby, we've got a couple guests. It's a four it's a four pod. Uh, first up, Robbie DeShazer, fellow Austinite. Um, he is from Film Fracas Podcast and Tap Heads Podcast. Welcome, Robbie. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> Great. And this is this is uh, you watched it once before a long time ago, right? Yeah. And so this first re- rewatch in a while. Yeah, first rewatch in a while. Uh, so I was born in 1997. So I was not watching movies that much when I when this film came out. So I think I probably saw it early to mid 2000s. Hadn't paid it really another thought until a couple weeks ago when we started talking about doing this episode. So uh, it is just like a historical record. Let me just it tell is. you it that. Truly, it truly is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also joining us is Hall of Fame guest and member of the hipster community, Katie Clausen. Welcome back. Katie. I'm so excited to be back. Thank you. Uh, Katie, how is your, how's your sink and all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah. The kitchen sink still doesn't work. So, uh, with all these people on the upper West side with, uh, you've got mail, she did a very, you've got mail maneuver and put in a, try to put in a wine like fridge or something. Right. Yeah. I, I, (laughs) we attempted to replace our dishwasher with a wine fridge. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which, which I think, like uh, Parker it. Posey, Patricia, Patricia Eden would definitely endorse. <laughs> yeah, it, it it there's a giant hole in my kitchen right now. My sink decided to pick this this moment, the sink faucet to to disintegrate from hard water. So <sighs> the joys mm. of ho- uh, home ownership. Let me tell we you, we might mm. have this project done next weekend. So <laughs> send us photos. Glad <laughs> to cut down. The flooring to the subfloor. It's oh my fun. gosh! Yeah, <laughs> you are handy. Uh, maybe at the end of it, we'll have the handyman corner with <laughs> Kenny Clausen <laughs> working through home improvement projects. Love it, yes. Uh, Multi-part but, series, <laughs> yeah. each project. <laughs> Let's first take care of some business. We are brought to you by the Agent Hipster Network. Join our Facebook group. Sign up to be my guest on this podcast on the rewatch on the regular just uh, i'll interview you uh we do have an alliance with paul Shear. he doesn't know that <laughs> the aging hipster rewatch where movies are so much more than entertainment Let's get into the movie. You've got mail. It was released on December 20th, 1998. The tagline was someone you pass on the street may already be the love of your life. I think stalkers say that a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, this, this line, this tagline is like, even that is like you, I read it. I go, wow, that's very dated. (laughs) It's like, I'm standing outside your door because I think you've got my mail, right? (laughs) You had to get my letter. I think if they incorporated it in a movie today, you might um, expect a, like a scary movie or right. a drama, not right. a romantic comedy. They might already be the love of your life. Yeah, I would be scared. <laughs> well, this is this is pre Craigslist mixed connections, just a little bit. So. Yes, yes. Because that's that's a movie too that could just happen with the same tagline, right? It's just the <laughs> you've checked mixed connections. <laughs> yeah. Well, keep on keep a. Write that down, Toby. Well, That's I, our million dollar idea. Exactly. It, it's on our podcast. It looks like Craigslist was founded in 1995. However, it's not clear. I didn't research when uh, Misconnections started. Yeah. <laughs> it might have actually been a list uh, on a piece of paper. But I'm with you, Robbie. That, that should be a, a movie, Misconnections. It's no it's, longer around, right? It's gone, it got, I think. Right? Yeah. It got too dirty. It got too personal. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right, so you've got mail directed by Nora Ephron. Writer is originally written by. Uh, it's based on a Hungarian play by Miklos Laszlo. Um, but the screenplay was done by Nora Ephron and Delia Ephron. 
and it stars Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Greg Kinnear, um, who are some other Jane Stapleton's in it. Yeah, Parker Posey, Steve Zahn, um, whole bunch of, bunch of other people. Oh, Dave Chappelle. Oh he yeah, makes like an appearance. Very young yeah. Dave Chappelle. He makes three appearances. <laughs> yep, something like that. Uh, Dabney Coleman, a bunch of old people. Um, Which and, uh, you'll remember Dabney from Hot to Trot, one of the greatest movies oh, ever yeah. created. And also Major Dad, right? Was he Major oh, Dad? Yeah, I don't that know. Was, I think he was. It was based on uh, The Shop Around the Corner, uh, written by Miklos Laszlo. Uh, it was made into two other movies previously. The most popular was The Shop Around the Corner, which starred Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Lawrence, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they both played Hungarian shopkeepers around the beginning of World War II. And actually, I was watching a little bit of that today. Not a whole bunch of it. And it's very interesting. This is good. It's good. You can, they have some of the same scenes, like the cafe scene. Um, there's some stuff that's a little bit different. It's a little bit more Hungarian. And no, I'm just kidding. It wasn't very much at all. Jimmy Stewart's just talking like Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's interesting. Anyways, the box office, the budget was $65 million. And opening weekend, they did $18 million. The gross in the U.S. was $115 million, And worldwide was $250 million dollars so this was released in 1998 so what was happening in 1998 toby well for one i had already flunked out of college (laughs) you were you i think you uh you stepped down from the freshman walk on like the scout team in basketball at millican (laughs) university right I had lo- I had, I had stepped down from that before <laughs> freshman year. <laughs> All right, so you're a sophomore at Millican. As I, yes, exactly. I, I was a uh, student senator at Millican University. <laughs> Robbie is, was just born, and Kenny was nine years old. What else happened in 1998, Toby? Well, uh, Google was founded for one. Oh, so you can look for your. Uh, it was just a search engine at that time, not like a all-encompassing mega company right and, and for for uh, robbie to understand the scope of like the the impact of search engines mm-hmm. um, my dad in 1996 checked a book out of the library world's greatest websites and <laughs> and you didn't type www.google.com you typed 192.62.73.1 and that would bring you to the greatest collection of records you know <laughs> also in 1998 Bill Clinton denies he had sexual relations with uh, former White House intern Monica Lewinsky, starting the Lewinsky scandal investigations and the eventual impeachment of Bill Clinton. See, he probably wishes he had AOL. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to keep it down low. He could have been cyber sexing, just like uh, <laughs> Birdie was and the other person that worked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Apple Computer unveiled the iMac. The cost of a gallon of gas was $1.15. Popular films yeah, uh, were Armageddon, Titanic, which brought home 11 Oscars that year, uh, Saving Private Ryan, another Tom Hanks film, Godzilla, um, and then Titanic, of course, won the Best Picture, um, amongst other awards. Album of the Year was Time Out of Mind by Bob Dylan. Did not listen to that. Also no- uh, notable, Closing Time by uh, Closing Time by Semisonic and Jump, Jive, and Whale by the Brian Setzer Orchestra, Beastie Boys Intergalactic, Praise You by Fatboy Slim, Tub Thumping by Tumba Wumba, Bare Naked <laughs> Ladies One Week, Foolish Games You Are Meant for Me by Jewel. Um, also a notable uh, event was the Heaven's Gate Mass Cult Suicide where they wore the Nikes, and uh, that, was, that was a huge news story that year. Also happening in 1998, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa inject a whole lot of steroids and save baseball oh with, they're uh, breaking the home run record their muscles were so bad there was debates at that time did like i remember debating probably with you bob like do you think they're on steroids no of course not they're like these gargantuan monsters <laughs> yeah. oh my god i still love sammy so it's uh, best so great uh chicago bulls won title number six and uh that was jordan's last game in a bulls uniform and bob i have a quiz for you, although uh, Katie and Robbie, feel free to contribute if this is your area. But Michael Jordan won a sixth NBA title that year with the Bulls. Uh, his last shot was a fadeaway game winner over Brian Russell. 
Uh, he wasn't called for a foul, but it definitely appeared like he pushed off, which would have been a foul. Well, let's say it was a foul. Should the foul have been called? If we all assume, if you're the ref and you see the foul. No, it's Michael Jordan. You just let him make the shot. All like right. he, he, His hand was just passing by there and might have forced Byron Russell to the side, you know? <laughs> like that. <laughs> he, he just let that let it go great and another uh which utah jazz player led the team and assists that game Ooh, carl malone yes see that was a trick question it I was a that. trick question yep um who is the biggest asshole on the on that utah jazz team <laughs> uh stockton of course yes yes <laughs> that's true carl malone's a, a, a close second yeah all right, and then the last thing, AOL. Um, I wonder if they sponsored this uh, movie. I'm not sure, but it announces it will buy Netscape. Oh, Netscape. Oh, Netscape. Yeah. So before that, AOL. Uh, I don't know if they had a browser, but Netscape was the primary browser of the internet at that time, and they so they were they bought the thing that everybody used basically. I never had AOL. Did you have AOL? I didn't. Uh, very very had it. <laughs> Like only one person can afford it. It was pretty expensive, I remember. But I remember, like, he used to tell us about the chat rooms, and he even met a gr- his girlfriend in those chat rooms, and she was pretty attractive, as I recall. <laughs> and I remember being like, God, I need wish my parents had AOL. <laughs> so I remember going to my grandparents, who had AOL, long after everyone had gotten off of AOL. So that's my experience with it. They, yeah. they lived out in a rural area, and yeah. <laughs> they had dial-up way after everyone had moved to you know exactly yeah and the crazy thing about barry's girlfriend this dude had no business having an attractive girlfriend like he he was definitely batting out of his league with this and so i was very jealous it was aol great guy toby's not bitter at all as you can see (laughs) barry All right, so let's get into the movie itself. You've got mail. So lead off topic, everyone. So do you think Nora Ephron or anyone associated with this film ever used the internet or even a computer before? <laughs> were they naive or uh, were or were we not jaded yet by the information explosion about to come? Um, how, Katie, how what do you think? Define using a computer. Oh, well, that's true. Katie, what do you think? Um, I mean, maybe maybe they saw one. And poked around a little bit, but I definitely think that they were were not yet jaded by everything that was going to follow. And you kind of have to look at it like the first time you used a computer, That's true. almost. Robbie, what, what do you have? Well, like I said, define use a computer because all I can think about is there's these pictures from the '90s of just like different celebrities next to a computer that would like be at your public library or something like that. <laughs> I'm sure Tom Hanks had done one of those. But I, 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 no one seems particularly competent, but no one seems like they, no one's calling tech support either. Right. <laughs> it's like they know but, how to turn on AOL. They know where to click to get messages. Yep. Right. Yeah. I mean, but it's not that hard to do, learn to do one thing. My grandma can get on her computer and play like a Mahjong tile game, but anything beyond that is outside of her know. ability. I got to say, too, something that that is like totally absent from this movie is web browsing, which says a lot about the time period. So I just spent Mm -hmm. six days in California with my two older brothers, and they spent the entire six days browsing the Internet. (laughs) And not once in this movie do they browse the Internet. That's true, because they're they're going right to their email, you know, so that's what. Yeah. And I think there's 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 definitely browsers at the time. Look around. Yeah, um, but I mean, they were also on dial-up, and and that is, I I don't know the last time you remember or used dial-up, but that's pretty painful. Yeah, yeah, I remember a chat room where you were literally waiting three minutes or something <laughs> until like a response comes I back. Remember? That. <laughs> <laughs> oh. started, like, did she say something funny? Like, like what is, did she? Hang, did she go to bed? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, where I my parents this. live, their options are like satellite internet or mm-hmm. or dial up so they still have dial up and it um you you definitely would just prefer not to use the internet at that point that's true mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah no i just i think about the 
if I'm jumping ahead, stop me. But the scene where Tom Hanks gets in an instant message with her and it's like an affront. It's such a, it's a great moment just to think it's like so out of the norm. And I'm thinking, uh, about, you know, half of the, the, you know, I've probably sent 20 technical, you know, IMs today, like through Facebook or iMessage right. or whatever. Right. And nobody's, this is so forward. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, famously meg ryan got her very first computer during this filming this is when she got her first film just she stole it from set (laughs) maybe i think she got it like she got whatever she was using um interesting enough meg ryan was using uh old apple computer like an old apple book or whatever they had at the time to show her more creative you know artistic side um tom hanks had a a windows machine to show his more business savvy side Mm -hmm. as well some of the uh, outdated computer graphics I thought were pretty amazing in the beginning. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was funny is that they put that in just to sh- because they thought it looked real hot. They're like, yep. oh, this is looking good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah. Well, and, you know, compare that to Star Trek 2, which I think was 1982, <laughs> which also yeah. had cutting edge graphics, but they were created by uh, Industrial Light and Magic, which is the Star Wars company. <laughs> yeah. Um, very different. The, the the 1982 graphics were, look way better than the You've Got Mail graphics. So. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into the plot, to the plot of the movie. You've Got Mail is a story of star-crossed lovers who meet on an AOL chat room. First up is NY152 Joe Fox. He's played by Tom Hanks. He's the heir to a big box book chain, Fox Books. Thoughtful, intelligent, and well-meaning, he is living with Patricia Eden, played by Parker Posey, who's a shark in the book business. So, in uh, over eighty, uh, so they meet in an over thirties chat room, and he meets Shop Girl, and that is no none other than America's sweetheart Meg Ryan, playing the part of Kathleen Kelly, owner of a small independent children's bookshop, the shop around the corner. She also uh, has a partner, the crusading typewriter loving Luddite journalist Frank Navasky. So they meet, start writing emails to each other, but they have a few rules, no personal information, no names. So let's call these uh, pretty woman rules, because remember, no kissing on the <laughs> mm-hmm. lips. Little did they know that they both live in the Upper West Side of Manhattan and frequently look off in the distance at the same coffee shops. Oh, those crazy kids. So first question. So I've never been to New York. Who here has been to New York? I have. Ben. Uh-huh. Okay. Katie? Okay, I have not. So, um, so for me, when I was watching this, and I and I realized this, it seems like it's like a fairy tale depiction of Manhattan. Like I'm just like a some like uh, yokel from flyover country, and this is like almost my like, oh, I live in New York, and it's like this beautiful, like majestic place that doesn't have trash on the street. So there's no trash on the street, no congestion, just wealthy white people and Dave Chappelle having fall yeah. fest to farmers markets. So am I off base with that kind of thought? Toby? Well, yeah. So when the one time I went to New York City, Manhattan, um, we got off the subway at like one in the morning and the streets were full of trash. Like they have no system to handle trash. Like they don't have alleys. So they throw all this trash in the street and the trucks come through at like 2 a.m. and pick it up. <laughs> Robbie? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's also a weird like it's almost a time capsule of a certain kind of New York too, with the post the cleanup of crime pre nine 11. It's like a, a weird middle gray area of New York where it was the calm after and before the storm, which is really interesting to think this, of. When did Giuliani come in and have everyone frisked? When, <laughs> that, Oh, that was, that was a little bit later, after. but this was like after the bit, like this was well, Giuliani took office in 94. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know exactly. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. When, I could tell you that, like, I remember, like, the big issues with stop and frisk, like, really coming up later. But I'm sure mm-hmm. at that point it had been what? This has been going on for 15 years and no one said anything yet. <laughs> that- Katie, um, since you're kind of like me, it, when, when you're younger and you're like, I'm going to go live in Manhattan and be cool. Is this what you kind of thought, man, like, New York City was? Pristine? Yeah, I I mean, I guess you would have thought it would have been pristine and full of everything. But I tend to, like, when I was watching it last night, and I was looking at it, and I was like, I was trying to compare it to San Francisco, and I was like, there's no way. I was like, this is way too clean and nice, and 
there's no homeless people and there's no trash. There's no people <laughs> screaming with signs. <laughs> yeah. oh. You know, so I was reading that Nora Ephron uh, chose Upper West Side because she thought it had kind of a small town, like a more of a small community feel, uh, which kind of was in the original Hungarian play or whatever there, they live in a small town and she kind of deliberately had it set up where it seemed like a small community, you know, like kind of folksy. You have all the flower trucks you have, you know, filling these bakeries up with stuff like that. So it was kind mm-hmm. of deliberate how they shot the Upper West Side. Um, all right. So let's continue on. So Joe is overseeing a new store opening down the street from the shop around the corner. The plucky crew from the very overstaffed children's bookstore discover they have competition and they are worried. Uh, That weekend, Joe takes his 11-year-old Aunt Annabelle and 4-year-old brother Matthew out on an adventure and they end up at Kathleen's uh, bookstore for uh, story time. Everyone is having a good time, including the teenagers who looked a bit too old to be there. Uh, Joe meets Kathleen and has a meet-cute moment where they are attracted to each other, but he keeps his identity secret despite the kids almost telling the secret. May I ask who you are? Kathleen Kelly. I own this store. And you are? Joe. Just call me Joe. We'll take these books. Okay. You're going to come back, aren't you? Uh, Of course. See? That is why we are not going to go under, because our customers are loyal. They're opening up a Fox Books around the corner. Daddy uh, likes to buy a discount, but don't tell anybody that, honey. There's nothing to be proud of. F-O-X. That is amazing. You can spell Fox. Fox Books finally opens, and it's a hit. Things are looking grim for the shop around the corner now. So, Katie, is it weird that in this movie, it seems like this is the high watermark for mega bookstores, like Barnes & Noble, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Joe... So I guess I have a couple, a few questions. Do you, did you did you think about that when you were watching this movie? I did. I thought it was really really funny that that the movie is about bookstores and everything's also about the internet, and the internet causes the collapse of bookstores. <laughs> Just the irony. Yeah, and that's <laughs> really why I got me. So Joe Fox is using the internet, which will eventually cause his family's downfall to find love. Um. And I think I just read an article where they were saying that smaller independent uh, book bookstores that are stressing kind of more customer service and all this kind of stuff are actually starting to grow again. Yeah, so I heard that too. <laughs> yeah, like grew by thirty five percent. So Toby, here's a question for all of you: Do you think Kathleen's business plan stands a better chance than Fox Books today? Uh, I would course. say yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like one thing in the movie that the the director did was they had actual vintage books in her bookstore so i think like you know books that like would sell on ebay for a thousand dollars so i think she's doing good today selling those vintage books she has the suppliers and the networks to to pull that off yeah uh i think about it like i do with record stores where i don't want to buy records from amazon like Mm -hmm. just because they they're gonna there's chances that they'll mistreat them i'll get you know and I really like the curation that, you know, some of the local record stores here in Austin do. Like, that's, you know. So I think that, yeah, specializing would have definitely, you know, in the long run. If you were to remake this movie, it would be about uh, Jeff Bezos falling in love with uh, the owner of, I guess, a Barnes & Noble? <laughs> I was trying to think of what the, the 2017, you know, that's 10 years funny. updated, the 2017 yeah. version was. <laughs> I have a question for Katie and Robbie. Like, when was your first time buying a book online or buying something online? And what was that experience like for you? Yeah. You know, I I probably experienced this far later than people, given that I'm only 30. But I think I was in college because, like I said, my parents still have dial-up internet. You, you're not shopping on dial-up internet. Yeah, I'd have to say I was probably in high school by that time, I mean, I mean, Amazon Prime existed by that point. So, like, I was doing it all pretty quickly, you know, through my, I guess, at the time, my parents' Prime account. Just probably, a, yeah, some book for, like, a dual credit college course or something like that. Yeah, back in our day, Toby and I had to order stuff under our parents' credit card with the Columbia Music. You remember that <laughs> Columbia Music service? You get, like, six CDs for a penny. You didn't even need the credit card. They, that's right. They would just mail you the bill, and then you wouldn't pay it. 
<laughs> I did that, and I remember being driven around by my mom as she as, when she found out. Oh, she was not happy. So mad. <laughs> you did this again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and like I think the CDs that got were like, um, you know, poison. Oh, it's so not good. like all <laughs> yeah. the good ones. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. All right, so. Continuing on, at a publishing party later that week, they see each other, and Joe is unmasked. Look, the reason I came into your store is because I was spending the day with Annabelle and Matt, and I was buying them presents. I'm the type of guy who likes to buy his way into the hearts of children who are his relatives. There's only one place to find a children's book in the neighborhood. That will not always be the case. And it was yours, and it is a, a charming little bookstore. You probably sell, what, $350,000 worth of books in a year? How did you know that? I'm in the book business. I am in the book business. I see. And we are the price club. Only instead of a 10-gallon vat of olive oil for $3.99 that won't even fit under your kitchen cabinet, we sell cheap books. Me, a spy. Oh, absolutely. I have in my possession... The super-duper secret printout at the sales figures of a bookstore, so inconsequential yet full of its own virtue that I was immediately compelled to rush over there for fear that it's going to put me out of business. What? What? Uh, uh, both Joe and Kathleen confide their, uh, their conflicted feelings to each other online and avoid each other on the streets. Um, as time goes on, things are not going great at Kathleen's shop. She go. She goes again to NY one five two for advice, and he tells her to go to the mattresses. This inspires her to launch a campaign in the streets and in the media, but it doesn't help much. Though she did get uh, Frank on that TV show where he finds his next new girlfriend, so she did um, succeed in there. And she decides to get the support she needs. She needs to meet uh, NY one five two at Cafe Lalo. So. My question I came up with, um, if you were Kathleen Kelly or Joe Fox, would you have waited this long to meet the other person? What do you think, Katie? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think about it in the age of like um, not being jaded by the Internet. I, mm-hmm. I do feel like they waited a really long time to meet, and they were both very nervous about asking it. Robbie or Toby? It's weird to think about it because I, I think, you know, we live in the age of so many people, you know, have met someone on the Internet. and been killed or hurt or whatever that it's you know but yeah but, it's it, it does feel like they waited a long time I don't. well it, it, one thing that like seem that I, I have a hard time with in this movie is that they're both in relationships and like they have no qualms really about like they're both doing this extra marital affair thing and like but if you take that off the table like katie what you're saying is really interesting like it was a different age i met my wife online on okcupid before it was bought by Match.com, and you know, like mm-hmm. um, it, it was a different era, and you know, so that was ten years after this movie, and um, I think it would have been it would have been weird, maybe, like you're saying. I don't know. You remember back when um, meeting someone online had the huge stigma attached to it? Like, I don't know if you guys yeah. uh, maybe it didn't mm-hmm. have it for you guys, but it was almost like it, you were just it was just a really bizarre situation, you know. Yeah. But now it's almost like. A, what like half of the people meet it's on a, tender it's a billion dollar industry if not yeah. more. like it's well and and people communicated on the phone and face to face not not with you know messaging and emails and words and it, it's just so different and and like i can see how it would be really really scary to go through something from something so anonymous to something face to face at the beginning yeah. of this movie does it say how long they've been chatting is i'm oh. trying to Hold on one second. It I think starts I kind of keep going. starts kind of in the middle of their you know it starts at the beginning of the story that we're watching, but they've been you know at yeah. least exchanging info for. I w- yeah, I wish George Lucas would have taken that cue. <laughs> so that's you know because then if they've been talking for months, he, they definitely waited t- like super long to to meet, and then that's because this okay. takes place. Okay, guys. So I found it. So they did actually come up with a timeline for You've Got Mail. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> okay. Somebody did on the internet. <laughs> no, I think uh, Warner Brothers, the official okay. uh, oh. site, assigns the dates to their emails because they published all the emails. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. So it opens up on September 16th, 1998. 
And so that's when they're starting their days at, then at work. So that's, I think that's the day, um, you know, where they, they're both in their pajamas waiting for their mm-hmm. uh, significant others to leave. So they must have met before that. October 21st, so a month later, they learned that Fo- uh, Kathleen and her staff learned that Fox Books is coming. Um, so then, then over the next few days, uh, there's the sh- uh, visit to the shop around the corner. And then the new uh, Fox Books opens. When it has been open six days, uh, Kathleen puts twinkle lights up before Halloween as she learns sales are going down. Around October 30th, uh, she and Joe confront each other at a cocktail party. So this is a non-costume party, but it's a uh, book event. Uh, in the following weeks, they avoid each other. Oh, so and then on December 9th, they converse via IM, and that's when Joe tells Kathleen to fight. She launches the anti-Fox campaign. Uh, she arranges to meet uh, NY152 on Tuesday, January uh, 12th, 1999. And then sometime after January 14th, she decides to close the store and she and Frank break up. Um, Joe breaks up with Patricia on January 25th. The shop around the corner finally closes on February 10th. Uh, February 20th, Jillian runs off with the nanny. And uh, now we're getting to some of the other plot. This is when Joe talks to his dad and comes to realization Mm -hmm. about what he wants. Sometime after this, he visits a sick Kathleen at her apartment. Around March 1st, Joe and Kathleen meet at Starbucks, and he begins his teasing and suggesting that they're married. March 10th, they go to the farmer's market. And then on Saturday, March 13th, 1999, he makes his speech, reveals his feelings, and later that day, they meet at Riverside Park. So this is all within six months. And so. it took him like three or three months to finally meet to suggest meeting for the first time. Yes. I can kind of get that. I mean, because they were really getting something out of writing these emails, um, even if it's without emojis, because like, how can you really like tell someone how you feel if you can't put like a, like a eggplant emoji or something? Like exactly. That? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how, how, how did this even exist without those? Yeah. How, how, can you keep- how did humans mate before emoji? I don't know. <laughs> oh man it's funny because lisa will send me at lisa's my wife every now and then she'll send me like a an eggplant and cherry pie emoji or something <laughs> tmi sorry yeah that's right. <laughs> and then uh, and then what is it just you have to respond like you know this is toby right <laughs> exactly uh okay next up uh okay so they're at the cafe and dave Chappelle. Um, looks in and sees that his, the shop girl's none other than his arch enemy, Kathleen Kelly. Will you be mean to him too? No, I will not. Because the man who is coming here tonight is completely unlike you. The man who is coming here tonight is kind and funny. He's got the most wonderful sense of humor. But he's not here. Well, if he's not here, he has a reason because there is not a cruel or careless bone in his body. But I wouldn't expect you to understand anybody like that. You with your theme park, multi-level, homogenize the world, mochaccino land. You've deluded yourself into thinking that you're some sort of benefactor bringing books to the masses. But no one will ever remember you, Joe Fox. And maybe no one will remember me either. But plenty of people remember my mother. And they think she was fine. And they think her store was something special. You are nothing but a suit. In that cafe, so my question, would you keep your identity from Kathleen if you were Joe? Like, what was he doing? Did he even know what he was doing? I have to assume he didn't know what he was doing. Like, that's, it's A, I don't, I mean, thinking to the time, there's like no protocol (laughs) for any of this, which is, which I think is kind of what makes the movie fun is that they're, you know, you can't make this movie today about people meeting on Tinder or whatever, because (laughs) Mm -hmm. there are, you know. Well, the, as a society, we've established rules about this. Yeah, and one of the rules is send me your picture. <laughs> like, I told my wife the uh, we we chatted initially on OK Cupid. I don't think she had a picture. I was like, before we meet, I'm going to need to see a picture. And this was 2008. So, yeah. did you just show a picture of your abs? <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. This is the welcome mat. <laughs> Oh, go ahead, Katie. Um, I mean, 
I would hope that he has no idea what he's doing. He's just kind of trying to figure it out. But I definitely think that he knows, since we established, like, what this timeline is, like, he knows who she is without her knowing who he is for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And she's creepy. not concerned about it at the end. Right. And that, so- for me, is my biggest problem rewatching the movie. Really? Okay, let's get into that, Katie. So so where, what's behind this? I don't know. I just feel like the, the level of, like, manipulation and, like, abuse of trust of the relationship they kind of build up is ruined. And her response is, oh, I, I wanted it to be you. But that also means, like, you wanted him to be pretending to be two different people and tricking you and kind of lying to you for the last however many months it is. Yeah. Well, it makes me wonder what Frank was doing behind the scenes that wasn't caught on film because she seems like an abused partner, like emotionally or physically or something. Like, uh, yeah. Well, Frank was just kind of crazy too. Like yeah. that takes a lot of energy to be with uh, someone that crazy. That's true. Yeah. He had like three typewriters and he just had typewriters <laughs> everywhere he went. And they were all the exact same typewriters. And that's what it is. No, Frank and Frank was like uh he he was into like like you believe this right this crazy left wing conspiracy right don't you Kathleen oh. like and when oh. they're watching him on the news and he's like mouthing what he's saying as he says it on TV yeah. because he said it <laughs> so many times yeah you know I was just thinking about one of my uh, favorite in the beginning of the story uh, beginning of the movie Frank was reading the newspaper do you remember that. And there's about like the state of Virginia shutting down their computers because everyone's playing solitaire too much. <laughs> <laughs> they don't show anyone playing solitaire in this movie. <laughs> oh, but solitaire was such a scourge. It's just so a little bit graphics- know that. Yeah, Napster was on the horizon. It's going to crash everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <clears throat> okay, so the time goes on. The relationship understandably flounders a bit. Uh, but kind of continues. Um, their lives kind of kind of go forward. Kathleen closes the store. She breaks up with Frank. Joe leaves Patricia while he was in an elevator, and he moves to his boat. Soon enough, his dad shows up uh, after his fiance Jillian ran off with Nanny Maureen. Uh, they have a chat about things over martinis, and eventually, and there's a really point uh, critical moment where his dad. Uh, mocks the notion of ever finding the one person who fills your heart with joy. So, do you guys think are Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan the best couple of the modern rom com? Can I, before we get there, I just want to list, <clears throat> according to NewYorkDailyNews.com, uh, here are some potential answers to this uh, Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, Renee Zellweger and Colin Firth. Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey and Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. All right. I want to throw another name in the ring there. A more, a more recent one. I think uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone have done mm. a number of films yep. together recently where I think they're coming for that uh, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan uh, title here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, then again, you, you mentioned Sandler and Barrymore and they've probably done more movies together than any of the other ones we've mentioned. So Mm-hmm. Well, well, there's so there's blended the wedding singer. What else is there? Anything else? Fifty first dates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's yeah, see. but the, let's not sleepless in Seattle. And you've got mail, True. right? Let's see. It's pretty hard to beat Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan because, like, Tom Hanks is. I mean, he has kind of an every man appeal, right? You can kind of envision yourself as Tom Hanks, maybe, right, guys? It's not like yeah. Ryan Gosling or right. like. Um, Richard Gere. You're like uh, Richard Gere. I'm not going to be Richard Gere and Pretty Woman. I might be uh, like a sensitive widower in Seattle, though. You know, <laughs> you know, or like I might be. I might. I could pull off Tom Hanks. Like, what do you think, Katie? As our uh, expert I, woman, Tom Hanks I, as a potential match. I think he he does seem like a very normal normal guy. Richard Gere seems really out there. I mean. As Joe Fox, he's probably uh, equally as wealthy as Richard Gere, but mm-hmm. he seems to lead a much more normal, grounded life than Richard Gere does. You know, Tom walks. He has a dog. He walks his own dog. He lets his own dog off the leash and just like running through New York City. 
Yeah, he's got a, be- a dog bed in the kitchen, <laughs> and I don't know. He just seems like a far more normal, you know, type of person that you could actually meet. I don't, I don't think you're going to end up meeting Richard Gere and Pretty Women. No. Okay, so here's a variation of the question. So Toby's going to have to remind us of all the people. So in our own rom-com, we're the the star. Who is going to be our opposite on our rom-com? Oh. Okay, Toby. Um, Can you read off the list again? Sure. Uh, Julie Roberts, Richard Gere, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler, Renee Zellweger, and Colin Firth, Kate Hudson, and Matthew McConaughey, Julia Roberts, and Hugh Grant. You can get extra points if you drill down into one what movie version of them. <laughs> we should. We can take a little bit of time. We can always take out the silence. But I was thinking. Okay, so uh, I, for me, I'll just start it out. For me, I would take. Uh, the Meg Ryan from uh, When Harry Met Sally. I'll be the Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, that's a good one, Robbie or Katie. I'm I think I'm thinking. I think I've. I mean, I'm now that you've got me thinking. I think I'm on the Sandler Barrymore train. I, <laughs> but that does that say more about how I think about myself than anything else? Uh, but well, like I, Barrymore for like uh, the wedding singer Barrymore. Yeah, I'd say wedding singer Barrymore. Oh. I couldn't. I couldn't handle the Fifty First States thing. That's that's a lot of commitment, to, right? To redoing this, and I'm but, not. I'm not at the blended point in my life yet. So, but the catering waitress, you're like, I got that. I, I, there we go. That's the gig economy. Is how I would. Is how I roll. That's. Oh man. Okay, Katie. Um. Who's driving I'll, down I'll give you street. some more options here. So we okay. have Edward and Kim from Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, yeah. So uh, some of these are duplicates. Um, Paul and Holly from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Hmm. Um, uh, then there's a love, actually. Any of those couples would be fair game. You know, I was actually, when I think of Colin Firth, in a romantic comedy, I actually usually think of Love Actually. Oh, that's a good and role. That's a good guy. Trying to figure out how to speak Portuguese mm. mm-hmm. and not being able to speak Italian, and he jumps in that pond. Um, that's pretty good. That's a good one. Okay, so Katie, all right. So let's just let's just set the scene. It's uh somewhere in uh in the Bay Area. You you wake up, you go to the window because there's a guy coming down the street. You open the window. Is it the limousine with Richard Gere, or is it who's there? I th- I think it's Colin Firth from Love from Actually. Love Actually. And, and I, now that I'm thinking of it, um, do you remember the 1987 flick Roxanne with Steve Martin? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. See, I could be Steve Martin in that with um, Daryl Hannah opposite. Toby, you gotta do something about this uh, self confidence thing. You're, you're better than <laughs> like this whole time. You've been putting yourself down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or how about Amelie? How about oh, uh, you know Amelie and her boyfriend? <laughs> you know, it is kind of interesting where you get to the point where I think um, you've got mail, Toby. We're actually older than Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. I think we're the same right. age. Tom Hanks is like forty two, but <laughs> I think Meg Ryan is around thirty eight. Or something like that. So you're saying I have a chance. (laughs) (laughs) If we go back in time. Oh, those are good answers. And I think for myself, oh man, this is tough. I was, I don't know. I've always thought Kathleen Kelly from You've Got Mail. Because I thought it would just be a nice, I don't know. I just really liked her, her style. Like the khaki pants. Yeah. And then she goes into the flowing skirts. Oh, it's so nice. Um, Yeah. She has a really, it looks like she has a really nice apartment that must be rent controlled or something. Or she's got an inheritance. She owns the store, you know. Yeah. But I just always remembered, yeah, just having, like, that was always one of my favorite. Uh, Uh, Other possible answers Wesley and Buttercup (laughs) from Princess Bride. (laughs) I've been thinking about this, and I think we should meet. I'm so tired of getting nowhere, seeing my prayers. We should meet, and we will meet, but I'm in the middle of a project that needs... Tweet. Okay, glad we got to the bottom of that. All right, so 
now we're getting to the manipulation part, as Katie says, or as I like to say, love. Um, <laughs> yeah, Joe. So he de- starts to develop a, a friendship with Kathleen, but doesn't tell her who he really is. He brings her Daisy as her favorite while she's sick, and he starts to pal around with her all over the Upper West Side because, like the tagline said, what did it say? Wherever you are, I am too. Is that what it said? No, someone you pass on the street may already be the love of your life. Well, mm-hmm. Kathleen uh, Kelly can't shake Joe Fox at all. Um, and so they start to develop a friendship on the Upper West Side. They eat at cafes, shop for mangoes and bunched herbs. He encourages and encourages her to contact Mr. 152 Insights Into My Soul. Finally, the day comes for the meeting with NY152, and Joe expresses his regret. All right, so the question is, so what do you guys think is better? Is it the part where he speaks so honestly? How can you forgive this guy for standing you up and not forgive me for this tiny little thing? I'm putting you out of business. Oh, how I wish you would. Or is it or is it the scene when they see each other? Which 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 do you prefer? Robbie. I prefer the honesty part. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I prefer the I prefer the honesty, but also looking at it through this like manipulation lens. Is it honesty? Is it, or does he it's, just want to see what the reaction is? Is he is he baiting her for uh, info to get online later? So. Yeah. Well, and and like if you you think about it, and you and she's like, "Do you want to meet?" And he said, "No, I'm working on this other project." It's like he's going through this whole thing of like. He's trying to to get her to fall in love with him before she knows that it's him. Yeah, and instead of Joe Fox like looking at diversifying his business into the internet, and like, and at this time Jeff Bezos is establishing Amazon, he's too busy like, yeah, like totally priming her. He even says that he's like, "Oh, this person has been totally priming you," and he's like feeding her information that's coming back. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is kind of troubling, Katie. I don't know yeah, if I and like. He's like trying to like, he's like talking to her about it all the time, and like it's it's so leading. <laughs> but mean, it's the, love. <laughs> the, the guy's a complete ass, you know. I mean, um, oh, yeah. he's is manipulative. He? he, yeah, clearly, and and her too. Like she's cheating on her. You know, Jimmy Carter would not be proud of this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> that's the metric by which i measure all relationships is jimmy carter's pride <laughs> exactly jimmy carter and rosalind carter still take a daily walk hand in hand every day oh uh, that's our next series after the handyman <laughs> series with kitty so now how much do you Toby like and jimmy. joe fox yeah. <laughs> uh, well you know what joe didn't sleep with uh with his dad's wife because she kept on like kissing them and rubbing them. So he's a good guy. Good guy. <laughs> like, right. He just, he put out the, and he gave uh, Steve Zahn uh, a job. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. Sometimes it's like, how much does the pat? how much do you let the past like weigh you down? <laughs> you know, like, exactly. like there's all, like Katie. Kathleen doesn't let her wait, let it weigh her down. So <laughs> why should we? <laughs> Now I I think about how they totally rewrote Toy Story to make Tom Hanks's Woody like less of an ass, <laughs> and right. how they just let this movie. I think they just kind of let him run wild. They, you know, <laughs> they they unhook his leash in the middle of Manhattan and just <laughs> see where he goes. So I I don't know. I, I think he might not be a good guy. Is <laughs> where I'm landing. How dare you guys? This is Tom <laughs> Hanks. He's a national treasure. <laughs> Like, I still think he's a great guy, and I love the movie. But if I'm Kathleen, I'm not uh, jumping, diving straight into that pool. I got some questions. Don't cry, shop girl. Don't cry. I wanted it to be you. I wanted it to be you so bad. Now, the question is, after this rewatch, did we already talk about this? What are your thoughts on this movie? Not what do you guys? No, not really. Uh, okay. Specifically. Okay. Let's, I, I, I See, I didn't notice the creepiness back when I watched it in 1998. Like, that all just blew right by me. Yeah. I was probably 
a creep too. Uh, no, I'm not probably. Um, <laughs> and, but I watched it this time and I was just like, wait, he's cheating on his girlfriend. Wait, she's doing the same thing. And, and he's not telling her he's lying to her this whole time. Like, um, I, yeah, I didn't get any of that until I watched it last night either. I don't know how I missed it before, but I was like, ooh, I don't know. Yeah. I feel bad for Parker Posey's character. That's <laughs> she gets the short end of the stick here. There's they don't seem to like other than just the fact he seems to just lead her along because he's not in love with her really at all during no. the movie. Yeah. And and she seems to dig him. I mean, like yeah. she's a weirdo and a crazy ass, but like she's yeah she seems happy they're both in you know positions of power that i think she finds that attractive yeah she she gets ripped off here so yeah and she's very helpful she tells people how to take their sleeping pills <laughs> and she offers them book deals and like yeah and then she just gets dumped in an elevator and he doesn't even really shed a tear he's not even upset about it yeah he's just no. he knew so. he knows what he wants his, did anyone uh, think it was room. weird how frank and kathleen broke up I I really like their breakup at least makes a little bit more sense to me is that they've they've been dancing around this we're not really compatible thing the whole right. movie and at least I I kind of like the the dinner where they're both like oh no no I don't love you like the, we're saying this we're saying it right now I don't love you that's that's great but the the elevator scene has just a bit of brutality to it that oh and I guess we don't see like did he do like uh, interrupt that guy the elevator. Uh, doorman and like excuse me patricia we're done okay go on buddy yeah, like, okay, <laughs> now, now let's try jumping again <laughs> yeah. oh man that's so much bitterness nowadays i still loved it it doesn't even matter <laughs> you know like if, if it's a good plan it's a good plan it doesn't even matter it's, it's kind of like remember when we were talking about the star wars before and it was anakin and padme uh-huh. And sometimes you just have to want something so much. It just kind of uh, kind of just makes everything else okay. Like all the stalker, right. like all the staring and all the stalker. <laughs> and it's, it's okay when it's true love. Right. Uh, I don't know. I still, <laughs> it's kind of funny to look at some of the creepy parts, but I mean, isn't that like all love? It's like 50% creepiness. It is kind of creepy. Like the, yeah. I think if you rewatch most of the romantic comedies from the 90s, they're a little creepy. Okay, final question. The kiss. So last episode, this might not be so funny for Robbie and Katie, but we established a kissing scale. It's on a scale. It's on a edible scale. It, okay. From it goes from cold fish to hot pancakes, and so obviously okay. cold fish is zero, hot pancakes is ten. Rate the first kiss, Toby. Uh, this is cold fish for me. The, my boner meter was like cold <laughs> fish. Uh, compare that to like clueless, you know, way <laughs> way different. <laughs> Like previously, you're just like, hold on, Lisa. I'm watching. You've got mail. I, I mean, it, in. it was like <laughs> cute in the way like grandma and grandpa kiss on Christmas, yeah, guess, you know. And I guess the dog was like jumping all over him and stuff <laughs> too. Uh, this yeah, is the dog was not thrilled that they were hugging at all. <laughs> yeah, this is like this is microwaved hot dog. <laughs> like it's it's a lot of build up to a you know it's it's satisfying in the sense that just like. It finally happens, but it's also just you know it, uneventful. One and done, uneventful. You know any you know any old kiss. <laughs> All right, how no about pancake. you, Katie? No pancake. No yeah, pancake. I I agree with Robbie. I mean, it's like something that's like lukewarm. I mean, it's not really exciting. There's a lot of buildup, so I guess that's what's exciting that if they finally got there, but it's um a little boring. Oh man, when it does happen. I feel bad that I was going to rate this like uh, an hour old McGriddle. That was just like <laughs> that's, a, that's a good rating. That's a, that's a solid one. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it got left on the table. It wasn't in the warmer. It's it's kind of this. Uh, it's kind of disturbing because if I I'm at the point that this is this would be my final kiss moment, and everyone's like, "Oh, it sucks. Oh, it sucks." <laughs> This is the one you would love to be in, like in. The- oh no, this is like the, our age, Toby. This is yeah, the one that we well, would be in. 
That's like, true. That that's probably why. Then we're all like, whatever. <laughs> I'm down on it. It's like this is what our lives have come to. <laughs> oh man. Well, that was a lot of fun, you guys. Robbie, fun. Katie, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you. Both of you are more than welcome to come back on. Uh, we're doing rom com January this this month. Next month is Frank Oz February. I think we're going to do martial arts March. Um, animation April. I think that's right, Toby. We have Sounds to come great. up with some animation. Yeah. I like the alliteration. I know. Yes. I don't know what's going to happen when I run out of stuff. Jay, like, I think we had we're having trouble with Jay, right? Yeah, we'll or, find something. It'll yeah. be like in those those uh, kids alphabet songs where they're like X oxen. <laughs> uh, like the only thing I think about for Jay is jury duty with Polly Shore. <laughs> like we can't watch <laughs> that for doing. like two straight months. Like yeah, I don't June know. or July. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right. We could do Polly Shore. Yeah, Polly no, Shore is no. I don't, no. No. We're not doing all that much. Okay. So thank you for listening to the Aging Hipster Rewatch. The show is produced by Bob Serrano and Toby Crines. Edited by Bob Serrano. The intro song was written and performed by Ryan Reed. You can follow along the Aging Hipster Network on our Facebook page for updates. Um, I'm on Instagram, Bob Serrano 79 I'm on Twitter, Bob Serrano 5 I think. Um, so yeah, thanks a lot, everybody. And don't cry, Sean. Cry.